When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber, and with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, and I want to give a sense uh, to, to everybody what they miss by not coming for a live show and then hanging around after. So we last last episode, uh, we hung around and talked for a while. And eventually, eventually uh, we're talking about the experience of being in battle in different types of wars. Well, that morphed into a really interesting discussion of fecal demographics. OK, so the question on the table was, is. Uh, was the three days at Gettysburg the highest concentration of diarrhea on American soil ever? <laughs> You've got to think about the dysentery and and just you know what the, what the diet was like, uh, grim, abysmal intestinal conditions all around, and uh, about you know 175,000 people there on the same on the same spot. Well, you got to think about things like. Uh, what was uh, the gut health like at Woodstock? You know, there were a lot of people on the same plot there. Uh, so anyway, the the long story short here is we had a hard time isolating whether it was something like Gettysburg or Chancellorsville. There were a few a few battles that had between 175 and 200,000 manpower combined on both sides. But this is this is the rub. Apparently, uh, up to five percent of people in the United States at one time experienced diarrhea. And that means that today in New York City, there are almost half a million people just just Taco Bell splatting through the day. <laughs> <laughs> just on any given day, there's like four or 500,000 people. This also means, Kevin, and this is, a, I, I'm going to throw it to you after this. This means that a quarter million of your channel subscribers have diarrhea right now. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's at the same moment or it's like at some point during the day they're having diarrhea on a given day. That was the measurement is 
like if you checked in and people reported for that day, it was up to 5%. But again, that was the US. There was, you know, he didn't go into other countries. So this is not a global statistic that we're using. Uh, I imagine some places it is lower and others it's a bit higher. Because it reminds me, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg had a joke. I haven't heard, you know, in 15 years or whatever, but it was something like where like every time he goes to shave, he imagines someone else is shaving at that same time. And he thinks to himself, well, I'm going to shave too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, very much like that only with diarrhea, right? So I'm going to have diarrhea too. And maybe that's comforting knowing that you're not alone with your loose stool. No, but at the same time, it seems like one of those instances where you would want to be completely and totally alone in the act. You you, you would want absolute privacy in experiencing it. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Charles Kahn posted the Mitch Hedberg quote. So word for word, it's every time I go and shave, I assume there's someone else on the planet shaving. So I say, I'm going to go shave too. Hey, that was n- not bad on my part for remembering that, uh, having not had heard. Pretty close. That's yeah. pretty close. It's pretty close. Well, the other thing is that, you know, we also spent, if you, if you weren't here hanging out with us in the Discord, like many of our patrons are, we spent a good eight minutes talking about pee. So the fact that after we started recording, you immediately went to diarrhea. Uh, let's be fair. <laughs> I said, didn't I say last week? Remind me to say this. Oh. I, I distinctly asked to be reminded. I forgot. Which you didn't, but no, you didn't have to. I forgot. You didn't have to. Uh, but we really went through the 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 Bayesian analysis on this. Uh, and you could probably actually get a pretty good number if you extrapolated from uh, from the things like the the, ca- the causes of death on on the non casualty roles or non combat casualty roles. Uh, you may very well be able to take something like a battle and get a decent estimate of how many people were having trouble that day. Well, in all uh, in all wars, that's the case, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot I mean, of some people more just than others. Die, yeah, dying from just being sick. Right, but I mean, diarrhea is one of the number one killers in the world right now. Right, right, right. Uh, like it's it's a shockingly stubborn problem worldwide. Uh, so it, it will continue to be a thing uh, for some time. Um, but you, you could you could do a deep dive and figure out uh, not only those projections, but then you know the territory too, square miles. So that you can come up with an actual concentration. Whereas I say New York City, well, that that's actually a very big area. Whereas Gettysburg and Woodstock were, you know, much more compact. Uh, so it can't just be a raw people number. You you have to say, okay, per square mile or kilometer, whatever it is, what was actually happening here, and how how fertilized did that soil get? <laughs> right. Yeah. This the interesting thing. And then we can move on from diarrhea that I just thought of is this, this, if we have to, if we have to, is the, like the, the spectrum of this, the range of diarrhea as a topic is very wide, meaning on one end of that spectrum, you have the dumb and dumber scene where, uh, but Harry is having the scene. right the laxative scene. Harry yeah. is having explosive diarrhea in a toilet that won't, that is broken and will not flush. Right, very 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 funny moment in a very 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 funny movie. 
And then, as you mentioned, on the other end of the spectrum, literally people dying every day from the same exact oh. thing. Thousands of people are dying annually from this thing. Oh, million, many millions. Yeah, it, it's a massive, massive killer, especially of children. Right. That, so anyway, that's my point. I, I, I don't know that many topics have the range of diarrhea, of being a absolutely yeah. like horrific, horrific ailment, literally killing people constantly, and then also being super funny in a slapstick Farrelly Brothers comedy. No, that's actually really interesting because I don't think, I'm sure there are other, other topics uh, that do this, but, but for example, there, there's not going to be a, a just like utterly hilarious gas chamber concentration camp scene in a movie. No, that, that's not ever going to happen No, Right. So the big serious problems that are just objectively very bad, uh, yeah, they, they don't really turn into funny moments very often, do they? No, like some hysterical cancer gag from <laughs> like a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. Like, I don't remember that at all. Uh, but if anything, it's going to be the person being horrible, making it funny, you know, lying about having cancer or something, you know, having to pull a George Costanza where uh, he has to engage in this fantastic cover up of a stupid lie. It's going to be that it's not the actual thing, whereas the Jeff Daniels scene is the actual thing. Right, right. Like that is the same thing that is killing people. Mm hmm. Yeah. But as long as you know that he's safe and it's not life threatening, you have yeah, the, funny. the funny sounds of the farting, <laughs> you know, it smells really bad. It looks disgusting as it fills up the bowl and he can't flush it away. And that's why it's funny. All right. That 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 is actually the, the end of the, the diarrhea segment. This is the level of analysis. Though, and I think that is important to convey. Sure. I do want to say that no matter how stupid the topic is, there are more layers to the onion. Then you probably realize. And I, I enjoy being able to uh, hit those depths with with the people who hang out. And and uh, and also, I should say, yes, yeah, stupid slash actually very serious. It's at the same time can be very stupid yeah. and very serious. That is the crux of the complexity. OK, uh, I had mentioned after we stopped recording last week that I wanted to sort of deliver uh, a bit of a new rule that I have been thinking in my head recently to you. And, and I haven't told you this rule. So, you know, you can react to it in real time. Uh, part of the problem is that I haven't really deciphered the best way to understand it myself. So take with a grain of salt that this might be, it might sound really dumb because it, it might be really dumb, but, but, but perhaps we can extrapolate some sort of kernel of useful wisdom out of it. So the thing that I had been thinking recently, uh, it boils down to that, like I need to do, or like everyone needs to do at least one thing a day. It's like, all right, what does that mean? We all probably do a million things a day. I think more specifically, it's got to be, you, ha you have to do at least one thing a day that you don't want to do. Okay, big deal. A lot of people do at least one thing a day that they don't want to do. That's not interesting either. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to do laundry, whatever it is. But everyone has these things that they don't want to do and they don't really have to do. And that's like a different category of thing. 
where it's super easy not to do it. It's actually really easy to put it off. There is actually no reason that you have to do this thing today. It definitely can be done tomorrow. Now, I have seen this sentiment expressed in memes over the last year or so where the meme goes something like, uh, like finally doing the 15 minute thing that I've been dreading doing for the last three months. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Now, I don't know how to communicate that well and cleanly, and that's why this is kind of a mess and I'm fumbling through it. But I think that everyone in their lives, if they could do one of those things every day, every day, even on the weekend, you know, maybe sometimes it, more so on the weekend, man, in the long run, there's that like compounding interest thing where it adds up really quickly and, um, you know, you're not kind of drowning in stuff to do. And I think that the drowning and stuff to do is where people get really, really tripped up. And I know that years and years ago, for instance, Jordan Peterson had this whole clean your room thing. And, you know, a lot of people have made fun of that um, in like since then for various reasons. I, I think that generally speaking, it's a very good heuristic. It makes a lot of sense where it's like, you know, your room, maybe it's where you're spending the most time. If you can get that in order, then you can start to get other things in your life in order. But man, your room might be like a total disaster to the point where it's like, you don't even know where to start, whether it's like decorating it or organizing it or just picking up like the day-to-day -day refuse that you have lying around or your books or your clothes or Man, it could be anything and everything it could just be piled to the ceiling in your room and simply saying like, hey, clean that up. It's like, dude, that might be a, an overwhelming prospect. A really big task. So it's like, well, where do you actually start even with a task like that? And I wonder if there's room for, a, for something that, that is more along the lines of what I'm trying to convey of this, like do one thing a day. Just start with one that you don't yeah. don't want to do and don't have to do. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I think of it like, um, you know, do something today that you could do tomorrow. That's actually an important category of things. That's that's what you're saying, where it's totally possible to do it tomorrow or a month from now. Uh, you do not have to do it today. But those things do pop up constantly, even when you're not consciously thinking of them. They, they pop around in your head you, because you see them. You know it's a thing to do, and it doesn't have to be a seriously pressing thing. But when everything around you is like that, that's a tremendously paralyzing force. That's, that's really, uh, those things develop a sort of collective anxiety uh, for most people, even when you're not actively thinking. Because it, like, like you said, you don't have to do these things. So you don't even look at them and notice. Now, if uh, there was some, uh, I don't know, let's say a spill on your floor. Well, that, that's one that you'd look at it and know that you had to take care of it right now. But the things you're talking about are really what, what gets you to a point where you're feeling like you're making some progress. That's... That's a pretty important feeling to, to cultivate. 
Well, and I think that I like I like the way that you put it. What did you say? Do do one thing today that you could do tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's maybe that is it because doing all of the things is too much. And, and that was mm. that was kind of what I was trying to think of when when you know I was going back to like the clean your room thing where it's like yeah, just clean your room, and it's like man, there might be like four hundred steps to cleaning my room, <laughs> like. I'm not saying that there are, yeah. but for some people, I'm sure that there are. I mean, you see those memes of it where it's like, wow, girl, you live like that. <laughs> you see, or, <laughs> right. or like the streamers rooms where there's just like piss jugs and, you know, monster cans all over the place. It's like, that's not like a five minute thing. Might not even be a, be a one day thing. I mean, you might spend a full day just picking up all the garbage and then another it's full day. It's easy when it's just garbage though. That's 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 a big part of this is that it may not be easy to deal with the thing. So let me give you a specific bedroom needs work example. I have to install uh, baseboards, baseboard trim in my bedroom. Uh, That's that's a fairly big project. Not only not only getting the lumber for it, but I have to route the trim. I have to custom route it to match the other parts of the house. Even as far as nailing something up on the wall goes, there's a lot more to that. Uh, so yeah, that that process of like finishing my bedroom is a lot more than picking up a dirty shirt. <laughs> I wish it were just that. I wish it were like those memes, the the girl you live like this, because in 30 minutes you could pick up all the trash there and vacuum the thing, and and you're in good shape. Uh, but you're right. How do you how do you deal with with something that is overwhelming in its complexity? And really, most things are. Very, very few things are are that simple cleanup kind of thing. Uh, so where do you start? Well, one thing is actually a lot. Five minutes of a thing is actually a lot. I, I have adjusted small things that I do uh, every day to reclaim even a few minutes. Or five minutes, because over the course of a year, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Five minutes in a month is two and a half hours. That's a ton of time. Uh, so the little things do matter a lot. Uh, they matter in a progressive sense, like that. Um, they matter in not feeling anxious and overwhelmed. Uh, and really, when you start with those little things, well, the next step seems to be a lot easier. Well, and you know, part of me when I was thinking about this topic, I was like, uh, like are the people who listen to this podcast like the type of personality that they they, you know, do this naturally and like it this discussion is a little bit like telling Clay Thompson to practice free throws or it's like, yeah, duh. But I think that even if you are in the habit of doing this stuff, it's actually really helpful to have some sort of way to contextualize the importance of it. Um even even yeah. even you like rephrasing my thought is helpful because the extreme of this obviously is something like hoarders where, you know, you and I are a big fan of hoarders for a lot of different reasons of just being interested in in human beings and society and all sorts of things because that's such a, an edge case, you know, it's such a limit case. And you really learn a lot when something is pushed to the limit, when it's taken to its, sort of natural limit and hoarders is the natural limit. I think of what I'm talking about where 
you know, even though there are different types of hoarders, there are like garbage hoarders and then there are like the collector hoarders and then there are like the hoarders who are like saving things to give to people. The, yeah, the gifting hoarders. Yeah, gift, gifting like, hoarders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like there's the intentional ones too. Those are the ones that I have the most sympathy for where you get something like a retired contractor who has uh, enough supplies to build 17 houses. Well, he actually has the skill to use those raw materials. He doesn't, you know, didn't get around to it, didn't get the situation uh, to do it, uh, whatever. But like, he's not, you know, he's not just collecting them for the hell of it. Uh, so yeah, no, all these different types of people, it, it it matters what's different about them. It matters what's different, but also at the end of the day, they're all suffering from not doing this thing that I'm talking about. <laughs> so whether, yeah. whether um, they're just garbage hoarders and they just don't clean up because they say, eh, you know, you could just chuck that on the floor and, oh, the garbage is full. I don't really feel like doing it. And I guess they don't have to, you know, I guess they don't have to. They just fill their house with garbage and continue to live that way. But eventually your whole house is filled with garbage and it's condemned. And I don't think it's any different than like the collector hoarders or the hoarders that have the intention of uh, selling things like, oh, I'm going to buy this because it's valuable and then I'll sell it. Well, guess what? If you never actually sell it, then it's just sitting in a gigantic pile or perhaps it's at the bottom of a pile getting crushed and broken. And now it's not worth anything. And now it is garbage yeah. because you didn't go through the process of being like, okay, I'm going to list this on eBay today. I'm going to take photos and I'm going to you know research a, a starting bid and once it sells, then I'm going to print out the label and find a box for it and ship it securely and take it down to the post office. Guess what? That's a whole lot more work and a lot more steps than just thinking about it and just doing none of that. It's way easier to just do none of that part and just just continue to live in your dream of being like a secondhand eBay seller, Yeah, which is what that ends up happening with a lot of the people that end up on that show. But then the sad part is, like I said, so much of that stuff becomes useless because it's decayed. Yeah. Ruined, broken, just no good anymore. And it's like, well, now what, you know, they put themselves in a pretty serious pickle by, by thinking and not doing anything. That's, uh, we've talked about this before where you have to get out of your head and you cannot live in your own head and that dealing with a problem that you've got, even if it's as simple as doing one small thing in your bedroom each day that you don't have to do, don't really want to do, uh, that that's real. That's something that actually exists in the world. It's not you thinking about the problem. The problem's not stewing in your head. Uh, it's not you thinking about your plans to solve the problem. No, it's, it's just going and doing the thing. Uh, De says you got to hold yourself to a higher level of accountability. That's true. And I think you have to hold yourself to a higher standard of executing anything that you're thinking. And that's such a general statement, but even something as simple as, as laundry is something that you have to think I am going to do this. And then I'm actually doing it. You have to take the steps to do it. Uh, and it's so easy that, that clean your room example. I mean, it, I totally 
that fits very well to me because the things that I, I need to do to my bedroom to get it where I absolutely need it to be are not even weekend projects. They're longer than that. It's a big deal. It's, it's, I can't just plan out how to do it in my head. At a certain point, you have to do some of those things. And maybe it's a small uh, step. Maybe you just say, you know, enough is enough on this. I'm going to prioritize this thing until it's done. Either way, you're doing something that isn't just in your head. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, You'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Yeah, well, it's much easier to just stay in your head and then come up with excuses for it later. But like, here, here is like a very easy example of sort of what I'm talking about. I don't know how many times I've noticed this. And I don't even know where I keep seeing this, whether it's on like news reports or reality shows. Maybe it's on reality shows, documentaries. I don't know. The point is I keep noticing people who live in houses where the the cover plates for their light switches are missing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking you about? Just, you just called me out. Oh, no. You are my enemy then. You. I'm looking at them. Okay. I'm going to rip you oh, for having no. missing light switches. Light switch panels. Light switch yeah, panels be, cost like to be fair 60 to me, cents. Okay? No. Yeah, before, they really before are. Before you start, yeah. light switch panels cost nothing. They are cheaper no. than a candy bar. They are cheaper yes. than packs of gum. They are like the cheapest thing that you can possibly buy. And they look perfectly nice. You can get like a nice cream colored one, a nice white one, a nice black one, whatever, for yeah. like 60 cents. Okay? Yes. And the tool that they take to attach is a very simple screwdriver, just like a flathead screwdriver that everyone owns. Yes. Everyone already has you one can of do these. It and it doesn't go in tight. You can do it with your fingernail if you want to. Okay. So so yeah. everyone has There's no excuse there. Has the, the the means to install this thing. Everyone has the means to purchase one because everyone no can technique. afford it. No, you don't have to it fits in one, one way. way. With you just have to buy the the obvious one that fits. It's not like you are accidentally going to get a two gang <laughs> plate for two switches right. when you only have one. Like you're going to know at the store yes. what's going to fit. Yes. So even that expertise element is gone here. 
No. And the holes are pre-drilled. It comes with the screws. You just put the screws through the hole. You tighten it a tiny bit. The whole process takes not even two minutes. Now, you could be done with the whole thing in about 40 seconds, okay? So, Matt (laughs) and everyone else listening with bare light switch covers, (laughs) for the love of Kevin Lieber, would you please fix that? Just put a thing up. What, what what is stopping you? Oh, for me, it's about uh, I, I have to wallpaper the walls if they're on. OK, yeah. And it, that's been it's been forever that I've been trying to do this. And in the meantime, I just don't put my fingers into the into the socket. You know, uh, there's not much to it. But but you're right. Um, that's probably as easy as it gets. And you could just There's take no, the thing off yeah. in 30 seconds to wallpaper it later. Like, just put it on in the meantime. Oh, yes. I absolutely could. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, there's just no reason. That's just a glaring example to me of this thing where it's like, I don't need to do that today. I don't even need to do that tomorrow. And I don't. I don't no, need to do no, that next I, month. Right. You right. just don't. There, it's not pressing at all. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, that's a, a good example of something that is completely and totally accessible and easy uh, that just it, it would be, like you said, 60 seconds. Boom. I think there are probably a lot of those. There are probably a lot uh, of, of little things like that that uh, would add up over the course of weeks and months and years uh, and that would probably make you feel better and spur you into things that might take five minutes instead of two. (laughs) As far as uh, training wheels go on this concept, this is about as good as it gets. Well, and, and let's, uh, let's not be ignorant to the fact that it's possible. There's some sort of subconscious like excuse mechanism built into not doing that stuff because you're like, well, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. That is allowing you to say, well, that's why I don't do this, that, and the other thing. Because my point is like, and I think I've talked to you privately about this a lot over the past year or so, but I'm very, very serious about getting to a point personally for me where I have like virtually none of those things. Like I have virtually no light switch panels to install in my life, like figuratively or literally, so that all of those blockades mentally are gone to free myself up to just do the other things that can be done once those things are off the list. And there's no built-in excuse. There's no back of the mind, I got to do this, that, and the other thing. What would life be like if you didn't have any of those? Like that's I a- have no idea because I've never <laughs> been even close to it. Right, 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 right. Uh, we we have talked about uh, different. Uh, I don't know if you'd say tolerances to this, uh, but you know, for example, it it bothers me a lot less that I still don't have a, a switch there, or I or I don't have a cover for my switch. Um, uh, we. You know, like when, when you go around my house, it's, it's just a giant repository of things that need to be done. I'm, u- I'm very used to that. And uh, I, I do things at uh, a, a pace that 
is the most efficient that I think it is for getting the things done, which is not usually the same as what I would actually like. So I might not do something that bothers me because honestly, it's 10th on the list. It should be 10th on the list. In the meantime, I will just be bothered. You know, the best way to tackle these 10 things is to do the other nine first for whatever logistical reason. Uh-huh. Um, I, I can, I can do that. I can live like that. Uh, I, I'm not so bogged down by number 10 bothering me that, you know, it, it affects me to, you know, uh, to an unreasonable degree, but, uh, everybody is different with this kind of stuff. What I do know is that it will help. It helps everybody just as much. It just helps them in different ways. So the way uh, the switch thing would help you is different than it would help me. But I think it would help us both about the same amount. Right. The result is the same. The result is the same because the result is the same. Like (laughs) it's the same result. It's like, yeah, that thing got done. And yeah, I'm really glad that you said the personality difference because yes, you and I do have uh, distinctly different tolerances, um, for, um, the, 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 the lever level of sort of procedural minutia we're willing to put up with. Um, but at the same time, so, so, so yes, a lot of this, a lot of my, I guess, feelings towards this comes from probably like a high level of neuroticism. But the reason I bring it up and I think it's worth talking about is because like I said, those memes exist. Like those memes wouldn't exist if everybody didn't feel this. If everybody didn't feel like they have these things that will take five minutes, they'll take 15 minutes that you just don't do because you just really don't want to. You just really don't want to fold that pile of laundry and put it away properly. You just really don't, you know, want to go through the trouble of like hanging that, uh, picture that you got, you know, properly and like leveling it and, oh, you know, I just don't feel like doing it. Wh- whatever it is, cleaning out your freezer that's like overfrozen, Wh- whatever it is, there's a billion of these things and you just really don't want to do it and you really don't have to today. You face no consequences for it today or tomorrow. However, like in my <laughs> extreme hoarding example, uh, that's a limit case in which like obviously there are long-term consequences for that if it gets way out of control. But I don't I, I, I don't mean to say that like that's where everybody ends up with this stuff. It's just used as an example of like that's where it can end up and now you're on TV and like you have like psychologists and like junk men coming up to clear out your house. That's a crazy example, but like everybody has some level of this. It's impossible not to. They do. Yes, they absolutely do. Uh, You know, it's, it's one of the, what is it called? Inbox zero. Oh yeah. It was a thing. You remember like getting your email inbox to zero is a very specific example of, of what we're talking about with this. Uh, People talk about the benefits and the anxiety reduction of that. Uh, but you know, I was watching a hoarders episode and this was a long, long ago, so I won't get it right exactly, but they, they threw away the trash. They had the, the stuff left and it filled something like 200 totes. Okay. And that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of totes of stuff. Uh, I can't remember what they did with it. If they put it in a basement garage, both, 
I don't know. What is a tote? Like those plastic bins? Yeah, like a big plastic bin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 200 of those is, is a, a sizable lot. amount of things. <laughs> yeah. Sure. At the same time, if the person had filled one of those a day, then in six months, their house is dehoarded. Mm. That, that's how this stuff adds up. You go from being a, a, a one-hour documentary that involves your probably your local police over your zoning problems, the uh, all, all levels of, of uh, contractor people from electrical to uh, you know, foundation work and the rest most of the time, uh, the deep cleaning people, they, they have a team of like 15 or 20 people just hauling the garbage out. The psychologists, I mean, this is the level of, of problem that could have been dealt with with 20 minutes a day or an hour a day, or maybe it's two hours a day. One of the remarkable things about most of the hoarder people is that they are home all the time for various reasons. They are not, not working 12 hours a day. They have literally all day, every day to deal with this problem. And they don't, uh, even in this mountainous crazy number of, of totes here with 200, well, six months, that's nothing. It is nothing. It's crazy to me that the value of that doesn't doesn't kick in for everybody. And, and there's stuff that, you know, I, I'm not judging anybody on this because I do it too. I can't think of a super specific example, but people uh, do this with with money things. You know, they'll go the opposite way where they will uh, be perpetually broke, uh, but they're spending $20 a day on, you know, going to get lunch or something like avocado that. toast that's the meme avocado toast yes yes uh, and it, it's like well if if you didn't spend that six hundred dollars a month you'd, you'd have six hundred dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> which is a very good car it's a car that's twice as good as mine uh but that's a really significant outcome that comes out of an insignificant act and that's the feeling that I was I was getting as you were talking about doing the, this one thing that you don't have to do. Rationally, it is a totally insignificant thing to do. You're not wrong when you look at it and say, I don't have to do this and it doesn't matter that much. Uh, but, but the consequences do matter a lot. It is totally irrational and stupid. It's a waste of your time and money to brush your teeth. Nothing will happen to your dental health if you do not brush your teeth one time. Absolutely nothing will. Uh, okay. If you don't brush them for 20 years, the consequences will probably be severe. This works in a positive way. You're talking about dealing with a problem in a way that adds up to just all sorts of benefits. Now, it's not preventing degradation like that, but it's taking something that's totally irrational that truly doesn't matter all that much uh, and committing to it because the outcome does matter. I don't know if there's a word for that, but it's definitely a thing. It's a thing on the avocado toast. It's a thing on brushing your teeth. It's a thing on, on picking up the socks on your bedroom floor. Well, and the other thing that I think is really important uh, in terms of this podcast, as it relates to, you know, being an online creator and people who want to be, you know, YouTubers or fellow podcasters, Twitch streamers, whatever it is, musicians, is that at least specifically, <laughs> I always hear of this when it comes to writing, is that the the greatest writers in the world, do you know what they really don't want to do? 
know what they really right. hate? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate writing. <laughs> but, but people, I think that people assume that other people who are successful at even a creative endeavor, like making YouTube videos or writing, you know, I don't know how much this applies to musicians because I think that for the most part, musicians just love playing music. I don't know if we have any musicians in the chat that could throw us You're right, though. Some Playing feedback. music is, is fun. It's fun and enjoyable. And, yeah. you know, there's like a... You feel good. Yeah, there's kind of like a cosmic thing to it. But yeah, writing, I don't know, video editing, that is a slog. It's a slog. Yeah. Making videos, making YouTube videos in general is a slog. Like I had a conversation recently with someone who was, you know, asking for advice. Oh, I'd like to start a YouTube channel. You know, what do you suggest? What camera should I buy? And everything. And I was like, don't, don't buy anything. <laughs> yes, you don't. So yeah. do, not, yeah. do not even think about buying a camera and looking into which camera you should get and, you know, what lights you should get and everything. Like, don't do any of that. Just record some stuff on your phone and put it up on YouTube and see if you like that process enough to continue doing it. Or, or I, I shouldn't even yeah. use the word like. Yeah, see if you can put up with that process uh, in such a way that you're happy with the result and you want to do it again. I think that's the best way I could describe my, the way that I look at YouTube is when a video is done and uploaded and I like it, that does feel really good. It, it, is, yes. it is nice to be at that stage of the process. Like it, it would be a, a bald faced lie to say like, oh, I don't like any step of that entire time. No, I don't know. I really like that last step a lot. That's the reason that it keeps happening. And I've always really liked that step. I've always liked the step of the thing being done, being able to look at it, being proud of the things you're proud of, you know, wishing that you'd done X, Y, Z. So you still have that sort of like dreamer element of like, well, this could have been better, but you know, that's okay. I'll do, I'll improve upon that next time. So you still sort of have that, that white rabbit to chase as part of doing it. But holy cow, like so much of the rest of that process completely sucks. And no one is super like excited about it any step of the way. So there is a part of this whole thing of like doing the thing today that ev even relates to being an online creator, where I think a lot of people get tripped up on like, ah, I could just do that tomorrow. No one will care. When it's like, yeah, but if you say that day after day, month after month, now it's been three years, I just don't think it's going to happen, actually. Maybe, maybe you just aren't going to do it at all. And that's okay, yeah, but like recognize what, yeah, what it is to actually do the thing. Hey, I'm Roy. And I'm Maul. And we're the hosts of the new Roy and Maul podcast. That's right. I know you're probably listening to a podcast that you actually like right now, and we just interrupted it with an ad. That's all right. We're here. And I appreciate if you didn't hit the 15 second skip button. Listen to our show where we cover topics like music, mm -hmm. movies, yes. TV shows, which you love to binge watch. Of course. Just lifestyle stuff. And give out crazy stories about our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. Check us out on the new Rory Mall podcast. Listen to wherever you get your podcast and let us know how you're feeling about our show. And once you're done listening to this podcast that you actually like, maybe you could check us out. I have, I, I've been thinking about so much of this stuff 
for a while now. Now, it's funny that you mentioned uh, not liking writing, things like that, because when so we went to, to record here and then Kevin got a phone call and had to step out for like 10, 15 minutes. So I was in the episode chat just talking to people and I was specifically talking about how uh, I don't I don't like any writing. It was exactly this. It was exactly this. Uh, we were talking about job titles, stuff like that. I would never uh, I would never tell somebody that uh, that I was a writer because it's an abhorrent thing to me. I, I just I wouldn't. <laughs> if given the choice, I, I wouldn't use that word at all. The only thing the only two things that I think would would make me feel more ashamed if I had to say my profession is to say that I was a journalist or a teacher. Uh, those, <laughs> I, I, it, it, I, not ashamed so much as I would feel bad about myself having to give this answer. That's, that's what I, I want to say about it. But, but writing is really interesting because you and I have talked a lot about it lately in different capacities. Uh, and I'm returning to a spot now through really no good reason. There's no no reason that I'm I'm coming full circle here. Uh, my my interest twenty plus years ago was um, uh, sort of realistic fiction writing. Okay, that 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 was where my mind was at, and then I I did absolutely nothing with that for twenty years, uh, and for some reason I'm thinking about it again. Uh, and even when something is fantastic in the literal sense, you know, it's not. Uh, a realistic setting or characters or anything like that. I'm obsessed with thinking about it in a realistic way. What elements of behavior are the driver here? Anyway, this is all really complex stuff. And when you were talking about uh, doing a little thing, it's, it's easy to dismiss that as thinking, this is me taking a baby step. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. You got to take the babies. Yes, that's true. But you have to do this to actually find out what your problems are. All the planning, all the thinking about it is almost always completely irrelevant. That is not the situation you are truly dealing with, uh, with something as simple as let's, let's, you know, clean your room, do the decor, whatever, get your room to its, its top place in your mind. Well, you can have all these plans for this, but the reality is that they're going to be wrong and you won't realize what you actually need to do until you start doing it. And that's what happens with, with writing and especially in fiction. You can plan out a plot. You can have a sense of uh, the basics about a character, and then you actually start to write and you find out that there's a lot you don't know about the situation and the people in it that you haven't figured out yet. And you could not have known that you would need to know. Here's a really mundane example. Your character gets in a car. He's driving. What kind of driver is he? Is he does he enjoy driving? Uh, is he a nervous driver? Uh, does he speed? Uh, but still, does he speed nervously? Like he's afraid of 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 getting a ticket, getting pulled over. Does he speed and not care? Uh, does he drive like a, a dad? who insists on, you know, no more than seven miles an hour over the speed limit uh, as a compromise between being speedy and making sure you won't get pulled over. Uh, 
Does he drive the speed limit? Does he drive with cruise control or does he actually enjoy being an active driver? All of these personalities are different. You know, if you drive a car, which one of these people you are and you know who you're not. And there's a difference in temperament with this. And absolutely nobody, nobody who does any kind of fiction writing figures out, this is my character. I'm going to plan how he would drive a car if that situation comes up in my book. No. But then the scenario happens as they're writing uh, and it's whatever. He gets in a car and he's not driving. What kind of passenger is he? Is he white knuckling the seat? Uh, Is he constantly fiddling with the the music and annoying the driver? (laughs) What's happening? You don't know that you need to know these things until you start doing it. And it's the same with the material, in-person things in your life, that you don't know exactly what your actual problem is until you start to do it. You just, you just can't do it in your head. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned those baseboards uh, uh, for my bedroom. So here's an example of this. It would be easy for me to say, well, I've got to cut the baseboards. I've got to do the custom routing on this. Uh, once I begin to do that, I will need to figure out where to do it so that dust and ventilation are not too bad. I, that's going to be a little tough for me. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's also tougher because it's now November. So I can't just wait for a really good stretch of days outside, set up some sawhorses and blast it out. Um, you know, I, I do go to that level of analysis on this particular type of thing because I have some experience in it. But the other 99 plus percent of my life where I don't have a solid command of how any of it works, I tend not to know what those issues are until I've, I've engaged in the process. If there aren't any, amazing. Amazing. I get the thing done and move on. Uh, if there are, well, now I, I at least know what I'm truly dealing with. So you have to begin for the sake of beginning. Yes, the, the baby step thing matters. But you also can't do anything because you won't. You simply will not know what it is until you start. Uh, and it, that is, to me, the most clear with with writing. And everybody knows this because they've done it for assignments with school, for example. You know, oh yeah, I know the topic. Oh, I know roughly what I'm going to say here. Okay, you're at the computer and the screen is blank, and you've written now one sentence. You have 1,500 words to go. What's it going to be? <laughs> well, that's when you figure out what your actual problem is. You know, you know what a really funny example of this has to, is Family Matters. So when Family Matters first started, which was uh, a famous 90s sitcom, uh, I don't remember the exact origin. I'm sure someone in the chat, maybe Charles Kahn knows. But from my, my understanding is that Urkel was like a one-off, next-door, like wacky next-door neighbor character. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like he was not a big, he was not even like a recurring character. And then he became the entire show. Like they had no idea when they were making Family Matters that it was the Urkel show. It was just like, here's this family, you know, in Chicago or whatever. And they're just going to deal. It's just whatever. It's a family sitcom. And then at some point, some writer (laughs) writes this next door neighbor, Steve Urkel character who shows up and it's just this cute little like cartoonish nerd. And everyone was like, oh, this is the Urkel show. And that's what it became for like nine seasons or however long Family Matters 
ran for. But that that is the exact point that you're you're making, where it's like, yes, do all map all this out. Season one of Family Matters, Carl and uh, uh, who, who are the other characters, Laura, Carl, Carl and Laura Winslow, you know, have a family, a father daughter. It's like no, from like episode nine in, it's like what sort of cockamamie invention has Steve Urkel brought upon the Winslow family. That's going to be like the wacky, you know, storyline of the week. That's actually what this show is, but they didn't know until they started making it. So we've also talked about this a lot as it, as it, as it relates to solving problems where I get really, well, I don't get frustrated with this in creative endeavor, but when it comes to like house things, I don't know how you would describe it. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you think is going to happen never happens. It's always a lot more annoying than you think it's going to be. And to me, that process is extremely annoying. That sounds so vague, but like, let me just give a specific example. I ordered some, well, maybe I'll tell the story of breaking off the bolts of the license plate. I had to put a new license plate on. <laughs> I tried to take the old one off. Uh, the heads of the bolts snapped off because they were so rusted as I was, you know, using pliers or whatever to try to take them out. So now I just have bolts stuck in the trunk of this car. So I go through YouTube, you know, I talk to you, I talk to a mechanic down the street, I talk to my dad. The consensus is to drill out the bolts, you know, one at a time, one small drill bit at a time, work your way up until eventually you can get the hole large enough inside the bolt that you use this tool that goes that's specifically designed to release stuck screws and bolts. So I do all of that. I spend like two hours like outside sitting in the grass, like drill bit after drill bit, like carefully drilling this thing out. Really proud of the job that I did because I, the, the, the holes were very straight, you know, because that was another concern is like you can't go in at any sort of angle or else, you know, then you're going to be off. And then I finally get to the point where I can put the tool in to unscrew the thing. And I broke that thing off in the hole. I broke it off <laughs> in the new hole, in the new hole that I spent two hours drilling out. I broke that thing off. And just at that point, like, like, so essentially you can have this great plan go step by step, you know, and we're, it's working out really well until it's not. <laughs> and now I have to start all over again or figure out what else to do. Yeah, right down to you not knowing that you even had to do any of this until you changed the license plate. That's when that's when you find out that the bolts are stuck. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that before. No, no, no. If you don't go to change the license plate in the first place, which you did thinking it was going to be a two minute process and it should have been, you wouldn't have known what the problem was. Well, it turned out to be a, a much larger problem. <laughs> yes, it um, did. Yeah, just one that's that's more difficult to to deal with. But now you're on the other side of it, uh, and that's gone. That's just not a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's- yeah. It's done. Well, because then, yeah, because I was thinking of um, sort of the other side of a lot of these little things, where it's like there are so many of these little things that if you don't do, there there might not be any consequence for for a long time. So, so for instance, like um, ah, you know, like driving with like outdated car insurance or something like that or an outdated registration, you know, something like that. Yeah. You might be able to get away with that for a long time and not bother with it. Like not bother updating, renewing your car insurance. 
It's only a problem if you get caught. It's only a right. problem if you get pulled over and the police officer says, you know, license registration. They want to look at and see that all your paperwork is up to date. And if it's not, well, now you're ticketed for that. And now it's this other thing that you have to deal with going to court, paying the ticket, trying to get out of it, whatever it is. Now you have a new yeah. problem that only exists because you didn't do the thing before, which was just to update your car insurance. Yeah, every time I've ever said this to anybody, it has frustrated them, but it's something I, I truly believe. I'll look at a situation and think, well, that's going to work until it doesn't. And that seems stupid. Mm. That seems valueless and stupid. But there are a, a lot of situations where, yeah, it's going to be completely fine until it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually that, really like that. That's good. Yeah, that is the the way of it. Uh, you know, it's... Um, I, I, I tend not to like, uh, elements of safety and things, um, just because I, I don't, if I can get away with not, not wearing safety glasses, for example, I won't, uh, so I, I, it affects my performance. I don't like it. However, uh, rolling the dice there goes just fine until it doesn't, you know, and then when you actually pay the piper, it's quite bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, so you have to be pretty smart about that uh, in terms of calculating <laughs> your risk. Yeah, you have two two eyes until you only have one. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and there's no really rolling it back most of the time. There's always something that can't be rolled back, whether it's uh, whether it's a ticket or an eyeball. It, but in the case of a registration or inspection or something like that, not only do you get the ticket, but you still have to go and do the thing. That got you in the pickle in the first place. Mm, right. You still you you still have to go register your car. You still have to get the inspection. <laughs> like there there's no now you're doing it no at gunpoint. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, now you you are doing it under just substantially worse circumstances all around. <laughs> exactly what you had to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that's so simple that it matters to me, but sounds valueless is I think as often as I can, if there's something to do, do it. And that gets me into doing a lot of these things that I can put off. Uh -huh. If it's there and it needs to be done, well, I should just do it. If there's something to do, do it. And then I don't get caught into thinking, do I have to do it? Or how long do I have to do it? How long can I get away with? Well, that eliminates a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just it just cuts it all out. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I was like, oh, if there's something to do, do it. Or the, or the potential regret of having not done it. And yeah, it, it just gets rid of all that. It, it just deals with the thing. And it kind of doesn't matter if it was a supremely valuable move or not. Something that needed to get done got done. Like, what is the downside here? There just, there isn't. There isn't. Uh, so it's as simple to me as just, oh, well, if it has to be done. I should do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's... It, stupidly simple uh, but it gets you to the gets you to the point it does it does all right well uh i think that that is that that's a good place i mean we got kind of like a lot of uh little phrases put together maybe somebody could write down you get a little red book like mao yeah some taborisms <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know as as we laugh about it though i i really and i've said this to you lately and on the podcast that almost everything is ridiculously simple and I, I just can't shake that anymore. 
Now, I was talking to NRM uh, <clears throat> before the episode that, and Taylor as well, uh, who was in early. That you know, we've said if if you do what uh, you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, you're instantly like in the top ten percent. Yes, yes, it, it's it truly is that simple. Yes, if you do the thing and you're reliable with it, bam, like that that that's it. And this is another one of those things. Uh, there's not much to it. And the more I think about it, I wonder what like self-help type people do their whole lives. Like what in the hell is, is the actual content of most of it? Cause it all, Jordan Peterson is not a self-help person, but that clean your room mentality kind of covers almost everything that is do the thing. And there's a reason why he isn't six or seven years later now talking about uh, all the different ways to clean your room. No, it was case closed. I have some nuance, but ultimately it was pretty straightforward. Well, so is do what you say you're going to do and do it on time. There's not a lot to that. And I really feel like almost everything that somebody needs to know could go on a post-it note. I, there's, there's a reason why the 10 commandments cover most of the basics. <laughs> There don't need, there never needed to be 713 commandments. <laughs> you know, almost everything is in a broad way uh, taken care of by, yeah, 10 sentence fragments. <laughs> like, and it, you know, if you think about it, they're all pretty good. Uh, they're things that humanity, even if they don't, uh, pay any attention to the actual 10 commandments they they tend to agree with them you know killing is bad murdering not killing murdering is bad uh almost universally so yeah it does get covered by these short little things and i just cannot shake that that the more we think about it all the simpler it gets the more you and i think about it not the not the yeah. collective we right right i think that that's true I also think that I don't even know how we'd write a book on it because where's the book? It, 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 we could write a brochure on it. We could write a bumper sticker on it. A leaflet, yeah. Like how do you how do you get two hundred pages out of this? Um, I don't know. Anecdotes and examples, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. Filler. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, listen up, everybody. Please put a new light switch panel for me. Include that. Yes, that that includes it. you. Matthew Tabor, um, Consider it. you know, think about it. Forward. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, gigantic. Thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out with us. If you want to become one, go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. We are fully supported by Patreon. So thank you to all of our patrons for making this podcast happen. And, uh, we'll be back next week. All right, guys. Uh, till then see you space cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan Malatch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. 
And a tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Chelksies, and of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. 